Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Generation. Um, I'm your host, Jenna Norman, coming to you from beautiful, snowy, upstate New York. And I'm recording on a Sunday, which is not uh, what I normally do. I usually record this on a Saturday, but this week was just been crazy at work and I had no time to do any type of show prep. Um, and then when you only have two days off during the week to get anything done at home, um, Saturday's pretty much shot. So I had to do some prep yesterday and then, um, today is Sunday, did church, got football later. So I'm squeezing this in, in the middle of my Sunday, just to bring you guys some information and so I can get my ranting out to make myself feel better. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, the V-safe data on the COVID vaccines, um, what's causing the excess deaths um, that's drastically increasing all around the world, um, a little bit on RFK. We're going to talk uh, more about him in the coming podcasts. Uh, what else do I have for you today? Oh, the Trump getting sued. Um Huge story. What a mess. And then we've got some action down at the southern border. Um, so this morning uh, before church, one of my friends uh, from church, Holly, asked me to come in early to church. And um, we're getting uh, Celebrate Recovery started at the church. If you don't know um, what that is, it's for you know alcoholics, addicts, anyone with addiction problems. And instead of the AA type of meetings. This is a more um, positive uh, meeting for alcoholics and addicts of, of all sorts, of all walks of life. Um, I never really liked AA meetings. I did go um, when I first got out of rehab. But after a while, you just sit there and it's just horror story after horror story, and which is needed. You need to go through that process about telling your your life and what you've done, um, that definitely needs to happen. But the constant negativity, it just wasn't for me. I wanted to move on with my life. And then also the constant, hi, my name is Jenna and I'm an alcoholic and an addict. I've um, been in recovery for 11 years and 10 months. Um, that's not exact, but 11, I was, my sobriety date is March 30th. It'll be 12 years for me. Um, I don't label myself as an alcoholic or an addict anymore. Um, I'm recovered. Um, the constant telling yourself that you're an addict and you're an alcoholic, it's like that negative loop that you're constantly on um, telling yourself that. So I kind of, I've gotten away from that. Um, and not to knock AA, it's helped a ton of people. Um, it just wasn't for me. So celebrate recovery is a way that you can help people get in recovery and stay in recovery, but without the negativity and also a heavy, heavy focus on Jesus. So if you know anyone who's local here that would like to help with meetings or um, needs to attend these meetings, we're doing all this training to start off with, and then we'll be um, doing these meetings probably, oh, it's going to be like a weeknight, I think. Um, so if you have anyone that needs this or wants to help, we definitely need the help. Um, get them in contact with me. Um, so anyways, let's jump right in to the vSafe data. I did talk about this a little bit um, on a previous podcast, but I'm going to go through and kind of give you an overview. And Tracy Beans um, on Twitter, she is the host of the Dark to Light podcast. She 
has great information on this. So I'm going to kind of give you the overview of the deep dive that she did. So bear with me. I am going to be reading a lot from her research. Um, all right. So the V-Safe data release is a serious review of this case. This decision is implications in order. Follow along with me and bookmark this for reference. I guess I didn't really need to read you that part. Anyways, here we go. Since the COVID products were placed under EUA, the government has told us that they were safe and effective. When some doctors and members of the public began to suspect that they, that may not be the case, they turned to VAERS, which is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. The VAERS data was wildly concerning, to say the least, and it picked up a safety signal almost immediately. When word of that spread, the CDC took to discredit, discrediting its own system. It suggested that VAERS, a voluntary reporting system, captures only 1% of adverse events generally occurring. The website OpenVAERS was created to make it easier to track the adverse events being voluntarily reported, given that the government was not transparent about what was occurring. As of November 3rd, 2023, this is a snapshot, and I suggest everyone take a look at this for themselves. This number is staggering, 2,557,763 reports in open bears on adverse events with this vaccine. Um, it's important to note that many doctors will not even report to VAERS for fear of retribution and because they just want to cover this up. Project Veritas did an expose on that very thing. Um, I can give you the link for that if you want. But one thing that stood out to me with VAERS is I work in healthcare. I worked in healthcare for 20 years. People have no idea, especially nurses and doctors, don't even know what VAERS is. Um, they've just recently found out because of the COVID vaccine. But prior to the COVID vaccine, the nurses and doctors had no idea that there was even a vaccine adverse event reporting system. They had no idea what it was. So of course, they're not going to report it if they don't even know the system exists. Um, all right. But when the signal from VAERS couldn't be ignored anymore, the CDC lied about how the system worked during a hearing in front of Congress. Then the CDC director, Rachel Walensky, stated, even when asked um, about car accident deaths, hold on. The CDC director, Rachel Lewinsky, stated when asked that even car accident deaths are captured in VAERS, a blatantly false projection. And there is a video of um, her. So basically, we all know that crazy things were being reported. People would die of gunshot wounds and car accidents, and they were being reported as COVID deaths. Um, that's information that's out there. It, it's right in your face. People still ignore it and say it's false. It, it's right there. Um, so as per the CDC, uh, this was the premier system for tracking the safety of um, COVID vaccines. So there was another system implemented to make it appear that the government was monitoring for adverse events um, after the COVID shot. So enter vSafe. Um, this was the system that the CDC used. And there was an app that people could download that allows people who got the shot to tell the CDC about any side effects they experienced. But there were some problems. Um, the app had limitations. Users are instructed to check boxes as they relate to symptoms. But even the CDC says those symptoms just mean the shot is working. So by that logic, 
it couldn't ever pick up a safety signal. Approximately 10 million users downloaded and used vSafe. Um, and she has an example of the things you could click. So there's chills, headache, joint pain, muscle, body aches, fatigue, tiredness, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, rash, um, rash around the injection site. Then there was a spot for health impact that said, did any of these symptoms or health conditions you reported today cause you to, one, be able to be unable to work, be unable to do your normal daily activities, or get care from a doctor or other healthcare professional? So, however, there was another way to track the safety of these novel shots, the free text field. There were a few places where you could write in how you felt or other information with a character limit, and the CDC called this health impact data. Also note that the checkbox data was only collected for the first week of vaccination. They only tracked this for the first week of vaccination. Then they used a week's worth of this data, which they had already said would be typical, and show the shot was working to determine safety for the entire world. So um, the Freedom Coalition uh, of Doctors for Choice, as a nonprofit, sent a FOIA request to the CDC for the data contained within the free text field. Obviously, the CDC said it wouldn't produce that, and it would be too cumbersome to filter out the privacy information. Um, so Aaron Siri, he sues the CDC, gets this information, um, this in, so the Freedom Coalition of Doctors for Choice sued the CDC, along with Aaron Siri, arguing that the data held within these text fields is imperative to accurately gauge the true safety of these injections. The lawsuit argued that the people using this app were pro-vaccine and early adopters eager to get it. There isn't a bias in this data towards folks who didn't want the shot. Um, we must have this data, and the CDC should be willing to give it to us. After all, the shot is completely, totally, and um, completely and totally safe, right? If we don't have real evidence of harm, no studies will be funded to help those that are harmed. If we don't have an admission, there is a problem. There will be no accountability for anyone or for anyone who caused the massive um, humanity-altering problem. This past week, a judge in the case made his ruling. Um, she posts some excerpts from it, but it's a huge win for transparency and accountability, and we're finally starting to see the tide turn here. Um, so anyways, this goes on quite a bit longer. So basically, um, let me scroll down to the bottom here. It says, the judge points out that a number of studies have been published using vSafe and that they only use the first week of data. The others considered only two weeks. vSafe was designed to follow people for a year. If some scientists can use the data to show safety in just the first week or two, then other scientists should be able to use the entire data set. Um, so we should be getting this information. We're going to be getting little bits here and there. Um, they're not going to give it all to us at once. Like they're releasing the free text boxes a percentage at a time. Um, but this is going to be this is going to be good. Um, so this is crucial for a number of reasons. One, we'll be able to accurately gauge the harms of the the shot caused when the CDC and FDA government knew um, and when they knew it, and it will allow us to hold people accountable for what they have done. Hopefully, I have been doing this uh, anti-vaccine stuff long enough that I know not to get my hopes up, even though I will never stop. Um, two, we will be able to help. Uh, we will be able to make the case to fund studies to help the many vaccine injured. We cannot 
bring those uh, who have passed away back, but we can help those who are still here. We can use this data to stop the rollout of new mRNA novel technology for other illnesses, which they have an entire pipeline of mRNA vaccines coming. So be aware of that. Um, we can finally get one foot forward and save humanity from this poison. Again, hopefully we can give proper informed consent. Parents are making decisions on whether or not to vaccinate their children so that they can go to school. Many districts follow the CDC guidelines for required vaccinations. Um, and there's many, many more reasons why this info needs to come out, obviously. Um, so I'm going to be keeping an eye on that, along with Tracy Beans and all the other people I know in the medical freedom movement. This is a huge huge win for medical freedom. Um, so we'll, we'll take it. We'll take that. All right. Moving on, uh, Dr. Pierre Corey, who is amazing. Um, he was on the Jimmy Dore show or the Jimmy Dore podcast talking about the excess deaths. Um, obviously this is linked into the vaccine. Um, this is a huge story. And of course, everyone is ignoring it. I have two videos I'm going to show you from his podcast, from the clips from his podcast. Um, the first one's kind of about the data that they went over. And then the second one is hearing from Dr. Pierre Corey himself. It's bigger than COVID. Why are so many? So here's an article that you wrote in the Hill. It says, this is bigger than COVID. Why are so many Americans dying early? And I'll read a few paragraphs from it. Uh, his post, which hit on a, on smoking, diet, chronic illness, and healthcare, ignored the obvious. People are dying in abnormally high numbers, even now and long since COVID nineteen waned. Yet public health agencies and medical societies are silent. Life insurers have been consistently sounding the alarm over these unexpected or excess deaths, which claimed 158,000 more Americans in the first nine months of 2023 than in the same period in 2019. That exceeds America's combined losses from every war since Vietnam. Hey, move <laughs> over, Vietnam. We've got a winner. Big Pharma took over where barbaric, pointless warfare dropped off. Congratulations to Big Pharma. Actual reports used by insurers to inform decisions show deaths occurring disproportionately among young working age people. Nonetheless, America's chief health manager, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, opted in September, get this, to archive its excess death webpage with a note stating, these data sets will no longer be updated. Wait, what? Yeah. That seems bigger than anything with COVID, like real big. That seems like uh, the, everything's going according to plan. Boy, this, why would you want to spend any time trying to figure out what's killing all the kids today? It's going to rob you of your precious time focusing on who hacked Taylor Swift's live show. <laughs> Look, you didn't want to cut Social Security. They got to do something. They got to do something. In 2020... Death claims took their biggest one-year leap since the 1918 influenza scourge, jumping 15.4% to $90 billion in payouts. After hitting $100 billion in 2021, claims slowed in 2022 but are still way above 2019. Indemnity experts are urging the adoption of an early warning program to detect looming health problems among people with life insurance and keep them alive. So this is about them not losing money. The only reason we even know about this is because somebody's losing money on it. 
<laughs> it's life insurers. That's right. Yeah. The life insurers. That, yeah. I can't believe they're putting up with this. So here's my last slide on this. It says, for people 65 and over, death is in the second quarter of 2026 was actually 6% below the pre-pandemic norm, according to a new report from the society. So that means it's not old people that are dying right now. It's young people that are dying. Mortality has was 26% higher among insured 35 to 44 year olds. Wow. And 19% higher for 25 to 34 year olds, continuing a death, continuing a death spike that peaked in the third quarter of 2021 at a staggering 101% and 79% above normal respectively. So, and we've been told that it's uh, climate change and it's totally normal for young, healthy kids to have heart attacks, right? Um, must be the climate change. All right, so I'm going to play you the video of a Dr. Pierre Corey. This one's a little long, um, so just bear with me. He's got, he's brilliant, and this information needs to get out there. Educated Americans. Uh, more people dying than from all the wars since we... Why aren't public health officials also screaming and clamoring, trying to figure this out and help our own people? I'll get, take it away. <laughs> you, those are all very good questions. Why aren't they doing something? And I mean, Jimmy, you, you know the answer, but I can, I can help you um, or help your listeners. I mean, we're witnessing a humanitarian catastrophe unleashed by these vaccines. I mean, all that data that I put forth, it's even worse than that. I mean, when you look at the actuarial data, you see who died. It was literally the healthiest, most employed, most educated Americans dying at rates never seen outside of wartime. And you're only left with one question. I'll answer your question with the question. Jimmy, do you know what happened in the American workplace in the third quarter of 2021? Was any new rules, regulations, you know, any anything happened to like the corporate workplace in 2021? I think there were some vaccines that were mandated. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, universities, schools, uh, businesses, uh, government, healthcare, military. And, um, you see this outrageous spike in those actuarial tables, and you know, to your point before, and I think it's a fair point. You know, the most compelling and and the, the most insane data is coming out of the life insurance industry now they're the only ones who's sort of talking about it they're just talking about the desk they don't want to put a reason behind it but here's the thing it is in their incentive to do something about this but although that seems like very cynical or self-interested keep in mind that if you look at the history of the life insurance industry they've helped improve building codes electrical codes um uh, you know, uh, nautical safety, maritime safety, car safety, automobile safety, fire safety, right? They, they are in the business of trying to keep us, you know, from dying. And by the way, what do you think it does to a life insurance company when a 22-year-old who's just started paying into a life insurance policy dies, right? I mean, those are huge losses that they're seeing. So you're saying it's not because people are watching too much late night TV and snacking on crunchy food or, or well, unless, unless those were introduced into the American diet in the third quarter of 2021. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, to, to me, it's all about temporal association and I mean, obesity, even like, and I've, I've heard people, I've heard like mass media journalists, 
trying to come up with, you know, alternative explanations, you know, like the opioid epidemic. Yeah, that, yeah, we, we unleashed fentanyl on the streets in 2021, right? It's been around for 10 years. We know the opiates are a big cause of, of deaths among young people, but these were not drug, drug deaths. They were not COVID deaths. A lot of them were unexpected. We have data from around the world, like in Canada. I think the number one or the number three cause of death now is uh, unknown. Um, where they don't really have a reason. And that's skyrocketed out of nowhere. That's never happened. Oh, SADS, like SIDS, sudden adult yeah, death. Exactly. So I made one for crib, crib death for adults. I forgot. They yeah. called SADS. Yep, that's it. And then, Jim, one last point. You know, that drop, you know, Caleb calling out the drop in life expectancies is truly shocking. I mean, it went from 79 to 76 in three years. Since 2020, without, life expectancy used to be 79. Now it's 76. Jimmy, I don't know how good you are arithmetic, but who has to die to bring the average life expectancy down? Three is it the eighty-year-olds who are dying, or the right? That's 20? right, that's right. So it's got to be the young people dying. Yeah, and let's remember, as I point out in my uh, COVID lies are funny special, that the average age of death from COVID was eighty-two years old. So all the fear-mongering and scaremongering they did, it turned out just as Bill Gates admitted at the end of the pandemic. Uh, or at the right, right after he cashed in his stock uh, that for the Pfizer vaccine, after he cashed that in, he admitted that COVID was a lot like the flu. It affected most of the elderly. It had a low fatality rate, and it was very much like the flu. And so the average age of death was 82 years old, and now the average life expectancy is only 76. So you can't scare people with that kind of those kind of numbers, right? I mean, I, to get to to get a vaccine, you can't scare them with those kind of numbers because it's just old people dying the way people old people always died from viruses. That's the way you know nature shakes off old people. I look forward to my virus when I'm 94 years old, <laughs> and uh, it'll get me. But uh, I'm just relieved, Jimmy, that so many uh, migrants are flooding over the border to replace those worker and military age young people. That's right. That's well, it seems like that is what's happening. Uh, so you died, you you have a direct connection with the vaccine, doctor, right? There's not even a question. Because I think the deeper question, right, is you ask the question, you know, why aren't we, tell, why, why isn't something, why aren't we addressing this, right? So that life insurance quote, when they're talking about how to predict these events, they're literally, you know, I've worked with some of those uh, executives in the insurance. They're, they're asking us our opinions on what markers they can test. They're worried about, all of the things that we know about, like the microclotting, everything that's happening in the body that's causing these deaths, the distribution of spike, they want to try to find markers and something to mitigate all of the dying. You know, there's not enough research. It would take, it, it, you know, the government should be funding a massive study into uh, not only epidemiologically, but uh, you know, pathophysiological and exactly what they're dying from, how, and can that be prevented. But here's the problem, Jimmy, and this is what you know. The reason why nothing's being done it's good to do something. You have to identify the problem or you have to talk about the problem. You have to admit that the vaccines are the cause. And you can see that around the world, there's no appetite for doing that. I mean, the, the, the psychology of all of those, you know, obsessive pro-vaxxers and all the people who coerced and lost their livelihoods and they literally are responsible for this massive waves of death. And it's not just this country, the UK seeing a lot of countries Excess mortality is up around the world. And so who wants to talk about that when you were part of that? If you were responsible, there's zero appetite to do it. And then also all the moneyed interest that made all those hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, do they want to talk about how they made that money on, 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 on the back of a wave of death? 
So that's why Trump will never talk about the vaccine um, in a negative light. And this is exactly why we need a reckoning on COVID. And now that DeSantis has suspended his campaign, our only hope for a reckoning is Bobby Kennedy Jr. Um, I'm going to be talking a lot about RFK now and doing some deep dives on his policies in the future podcast here, because now we've got two 80-year-old vegetables as our front runners and Bobby Kennedy. Um, our only chance for a COVID reckoning is Bobby Kennedy. Um, don't agree with everything that uh, he stands for, believes in, but Trump and Biden suck. So um, I don't know. I'm going to be doing a lot of info on RFK coming up. Um, Bobby Kennedy does have a video uh, that he did about Trump and COVID. I'm going to play that for you. And the coup de grace was a lockdown. The lockdown was the biggest shift in wealth in human history. And I'm going to tell you about that in a second. And I blame President Trump for the lockdown. Now, a lot of people will say, a lot of people say, and President Trump gets blamed for a lot of things that he didn't do, and he gets blamed for some things that he did do. But the worst thing that he did to this country, to our civil rights, to our economy, to the middle class in this country was the lockdown. Now, President Trump, in fairness, let me just make this point, will tell people, well, the lockdown wasn't my idea. It was my bureaucrats rolled me on it. I was saying we shouldn't do it. But that's not a good enough excuse. He was the president of the United States. And as Harry Truman said, the buck stops here. On May 2nd, 2020, 600 doctors wrote, signed a letter to President Trump begging him not to do, allow the lockdowns. So he's 100% correct. Trump was the president. He was in charge. He didn't listen to RFK. He didn't listen to Scott Atlas. He didn't listen to all these people telling him that this was a bad idea. He made the decision. It is, it's his fault. It's his fault. And the people that are out there banging the drums for Trump, the MAGA people are just completely ignoring this. They make excuses for him left and right. And I'm just not, I'm not going to have it. Um, he's responsible for this. Um, Trump's handling of COVID completely disqualifies, disqualifies him from ever being president again. Um, we just, we can't have that. Um, we had a great alternative with DeSantis, uh, but we apparently can't have nice things in this country. And I guess people just haven't suffered enough and they haven't suffered enough to want change because we're going to, we're, we're doing the Biden Trump thing all over again. I mean, this is just disgusting. A um, couple more things on COVID and we're going to move on. Shannon Joy had Ken McCarthy on her show to talk about his uh, book, What the Nurses Saw, uh, and it's What the Nurses Saw During COVID. It's devastating. Um, he interviews nurses and what they witnessed uh, during COVID, like patient neglect, the kill protocols with remdesivir. You know, we called it run death is near for a reason. Um, and hospitals are still using it. All the ventilator stuff. Um, gosh, it's just, it was a mess. And these protocols were forced on the hospitals uh, with huge money incentives. And um, 
like Nurse Erin came out. She wrote a book on what she saw. She was in New York City. My friend uh, Nicole Sorotek, she did the same thing. She has been in front of Congress to to tell what she witnessed. Um, just terrible. And I do have another video. There's a woman. Let me find this. There's a woman, and she's doing all these interviews on how the hospitals murdered these COVID patients. So I'm going to play this for you. Hold on, I got to restart it. There are so many people who are making a killing off of hospital protocols, and it's time to dig in deeper. Why are doctors and nurses choosing to stay even when the truth is right in front of them? Why are people just going along with it? It's more about hospital and their money and meeting quota, and that takes away from patient care, which ultimately is not benefiting the patient and helping the patient. I now know the truth, and there's no going back. I can't just pretend, because if I did, then I'm just as bad as they are. We need our freedom back. We need our medical freedom back. It has been stripped from us. We do not have a choice in the hospital. The end. After witnessing what I saw happening, I don't think that I could ever return. Uh, I felt very traumatized by what I was forced to engage in. When you, when you choose to go against what you know is true, you give up a part of your soul. How did this get organized at such a large scale? How did the hospitals all of a sudden overnight change their business model? As a nurse on the inside, I wasn't even able to advocate my own patients. They're very, very good at making patients feel like they don't know anything or talking down to them or, you know, you need to listen to us because, you know, this is what we went to school for. I am so sick and tired of hearing stories about victims who were killed because of these ridiculous protocols. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm still going to uncover the truth so that this won't happen again. You know, this um, it's devastating what happened to these patients. I know nurses that uh, snuck in ivermectin for patients and saved their lives. Um, you know, God bless these nurses who who did what they could do. But, you know, these hospital protocols, they made hospitals millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I hope these stories keep coming out because, you know, we need justice for these people. Um, it's just so sad. Um, you'd think with all the information out there, things would be getting better, but they aren't there. Um, you know, we've had little wins here and there, but, um, the Epic Times just reported on the FDA's new rule that allows for medical research without informed consent. Um, there's a lot of not informed consent at hospitals. Um, you're just, as a patient, you're just expected to trust everything that the doctors and nurses tell you. You know, if you question, you're a crazy person. Um, God forbid you question the vaccine. Oh, Lordy. Um, but things need to change. That's why I don't, I don't use the healthcare system. I work in the healthcare system. Um, but I will not use the healthcare system. Um, you know, I know I've said before, emergent things like broken bones, heart attacks, strokes. Yes. The hospital is going to help you, but the majority of the time, these issues that people have could be avoided 
by avoiding the healthcare system. So anyways, go see a naturopath or an interventional or, um, you know, a holistic doctor, stay away from the medical field as much as you possibly can. Um, and just when you think you can't trust these three letter agencies any less, they come out with nonsense like that. Um, all right. Moving on from all the fantastic COVID stuff, uh, Trump, uh, he's, he's obviously the nominee at this point, unfortunately. Um, let me tell you why this sucks. Uh, we keep getting told to unite behind Trump, and that is just a hell to the no for me. <laughs> it's just not happening. Um, after all that Trump did and continues to do, how terrible his social media influencers were to us DeSantis supporters and to DeSantis and his family, I will not ever unite with Trump, MAGA, or the GOP. The GOP just sucks. They're just another wing of the Democrat party. They're, it's all the same. They all suck. Um, these MAGA influencers are telling us all that we need to bend the knee and kiss the ring. Uh, not happening. Like, get out of here. Um, so there's a post here I'm going to read. Uh, let me find it here. It's by my friend Stenson Norwood. Um, about the MAGA influencers telling us what we need to do and bend the knee and kiss the ring. And, you know, no, Trump will never be my idol. Um, says, do you understand how offensive it is to live through the greatest infringement on liberties in peacetime history? Listening to all you influencers talk about accountability only to chuck that away as soon as Mr. Trump returns from retirement. Our daughters missed prom. Our grandfathers didn't get buried in Arlington. Our mothers died alone. Our dads couldn't see visitors for months. Our sons have speech impediments. Um, our college kids have mental health issues. Our economy was broken and is still broken. More kids died from gun accidents, stuck at home with nothing to do. College dreams were dashed. Savings were drained. Businesses destroyed in the largest transfer of wealth in history. Yet hospitals saw historic low volumes, which is true. I got furloughed from March until November. Um, anyways, people avoided what they thought were overwhelmed hospitals, and they died at home from treatable conditions like heart attacks and strokes. Most of our excess death in 20, uh, 2020 through 2022 is outside healthcare settings, in the homes, at ballparks, at offices, in parking lots. Trump knew hospitals weren't overwhelmed by May of 2020, yet he extended the state of emergency over and over and over. The CARES Act facilitated mass mail-in voting. He signed his own doom, easily one of the biggest blunders in history. Many angry, quote-unquote, patriots protesting his loss have been locked up for years. Mr. Trump could have prevented all that by pardoning the nonviolent protesters. Our Constitution's executive branch power was vested in Donald J. Trump, the person. He owned that power for four years, often too weak to follow his own instincts. Only two bills in the history of the U.S. exceeded $2 trillion. Trump signed both. He kickstarted inflation. 2020 was the worst year since 1865. Trump's performance that year was among the worst of any president. Since announcing his fourth run for president, 2000, the third straight GOP bid, he's spent a year lying about his COVID record. His cap he's captured influencers, have taken up those lies, smearing others, projecting their own insecurities. 
Lying about Ron DeSantis' COVID record isn't just offensive, it's dangerous. Do we really want history to record that Florida did not get it right, especially from May 2020 on? No, we're just supposed to move on to accept that we won't have any accountability. Retribution for a billionaire is more important than retribution for a generation of kids. His retribution is more important than accountability for what he did to the World War II generation in the 75th anniversary of winning the war. His policies harmed um, his kids, countless other families. He refuses to own it. He's never faced another elected Republican about it because he dodges all the debates. He wanted to avoid it. The media allowed him to get away with avoiding it, but now we're all supposed to just fall in line. This isn't a normal election. It's not like getting in line behind Romney after supporting Santorum. This is the first election post-COVID. Millions of us meant what we said about demanding a reckoning. We won't just fall in line. Certainly not behind the guy who did more for Fauci's career than he ever did for DeSantis. Trump isn't offering to raz the CDC. He isn't talking about his appointments to CDC, NIH, or the FDA. He isn't talking about forcing the CDC to release all the data they hid or obfuscated. Trump isn't even offering to rescind the presidential accommodation to Fauci and Burks, and we're just expected to fall in line? How insulting. We have failed two generations. Only one will still be here to forgive us, but only if we do what is necessary to earn it. Um... There's a, uh, gosh, you know, <laughs> just even reading that through again just pisses me off. Um, and then this is about his MAGA influencers. Those of you who are on Twitter, um, this none of this stuff is like the MAGA influencers stuff isn't really relevant to you guys. But Twitter is the public square now. This is where all the politicians are. This is where all the important people are. I'm not important, but I'm on there and I'm reading what the politicians say. And Trump hired these influencers to sway things his way. They are paid influencers. It's been proven. Um, so this is, this is to the MAGA influencers. Um, MAGA was indeed playing politics and going with the classic Kamala line. It was a debate and they're referring to how nasty the influencers were. Hey, MAGA, it was never just playing politics for us. It was never may the best man win for us. You may have felt that way, but we never did. It wasn't personal. For us, it was deeply personal. Allowing Nancy Pelosi to run the country for two years, allowing Tony Fauci to stomp and trample over our constitutional liberties for an entire year, allowing BLM and Antifa to destroy every major city for eight months, ruining countless lives and murdering dozens of people while all you did was tweet law and order, creating Operation Warp Speed, which gave us the um, deadliest untested poison that they used to segregate us, remove us from our jobs, and in many cases, maimed and killed us. Signing the CARES Act that printed trillions of dollars, starting the avalanche that has destroyed our economy and quality of life, all while using our own tax revenue to fund Nancy Pelosi's ballot harvesting scheme that gave us Joe Biden as president. Ugh. So... <laughs> This is to Laura Loomer, Tim Poole, Ali Alexander, Alex Brusowitz, or whatever his name is, Jack Sobisek, Candace Owens, Mike Cernovich. Um, these are all the influencers on Twitter, and they're just awful. Um, they are the lowest, most repulsive subhuman pile of 
sewage in the history of political actors. And you think we're just going to bend the knee and clap our hands so we can beat the libs. We're never going to unite with you. We're never going to vote for Donald Trump. We are going to watch Donald Trump and all of MAGA go down in flames, and we're going to laugh. It may not have been deeply personal a year ago, but you have made it deeply personal. You are all worse than the left, and Donald Trump is no better and no different than Joe Biden. Um, that was reason enough for us not to support him, but now it isn't just that we don't that we have reasons to su- not support Donald Trump, but all the MAGA influencers have given us a reason to laugh and cheer this downfall. Um, Yep, totally agree. Um, I'm going to be voting for either RFK or I'm going to write DeSantis in. Um, Trump is never getting my vote again. Not after all that's happened. It's just not happening. Um, All right, so Trump, he just lost his first lawsuit. Um, Remember, we've got a long ways to go with all of Trump's lawsuits. And he has to pay this E. Jean Carroll lady 83.3% million dollars. Um, who baby, I'm going to break this down for you here. Um, so he has to pay her 83.3 million, uh, because Trump used his political donations to pay his personal legal fees. That's 83.3 million that the GOP won't have at its disposal for the general election. That's a huge sum of money. Um, and that deficit is only going to help the Democrat party win by a landslide. And to be clear, this was all avoidable. Trump could have won his first trial by not acting like a complete sociopath during his depositions for the case. Um, The core of his defense in that first case was that he didn't sexually assault Carol because she's, quote unquote, not my type. That's the kind of defense a rapist would use. Um, More importantly, he then could have avoided this judgment in the second case by just shutting up about her after the first case. And he'd already lost. Um, But Trump has no lack or Trump has no self-control. He's selfish. He's a sociopath. And he, um, is a big, he's a big problem. Um, he went on this tirade on truth social posted like 30 plus things about this E. Jean Carroll lady and just couldn't shut his mouth. And then he has this Alina Haba lady representing him and she's just completely awful. Like she sucks. Um, and remember this is only the first, first case out of all of his 91 indictments, um, this is why Trump cannot win in the general election. Um, he's 30 points underwater with suburban voters. You can't win the general election without winning the suburbs. Um, these people despise Trump. Uh, most likely he'll be a convicted felon before the general election. Federal prosecutors win almost 95% of the time at trial. So anyone who believes that they will not get convictions on most of all the 91 charges against Trump in the four court cases is delusional. Um, also, Trump will probably serve jail time in Georgia unless he takes a plea to withdraw from the election prog- or process. In Georgia, a convicted person must serve at least 50% of his or her time before applying for early release. There's no presidential or governor pardons allowed in Georgia. Um, and Trump will not be on enough ballots to get the 270 electoral votes. Um, once Trump is convicted in one or more of these charges, Democrat secretaries of state in swing states such as uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Colorado, Arizona, Nevada, move to make sure a convicted felon cannot be on the ballots in those states. Um, you know, we tried. We tried to warn you guys not to um, not to choose Trump 
but y'all did. Um, Democrats are going to win and probably win the majorities in Congress and even uh, super majorities. And we could have prevented all of this by um, electing DeSantis. But again, we can't have nice things. So um, we're screwed. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Basically, we're screwed. Um, so anyways, sorry for being uh, such a downer. But uh, all right, the border. Um Goodness, there's some stuff heating up at the border. Um, so we have a face-off between Texas Texas, and the federal government. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a timeline here. This is a really long article, so I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to kind of breeze through and hit the high points. Um, Texas seized part of the U.S.-Mexico border and blocked federal border patrol agents. Here's what happened next. Eagle Pass, Texas has turned into an epicenter of growing feud between Texas and federal authorities over how to tackle, they say, the migrant crisis. Um, it's illegal. Illegals. Um, this dispute intensified on January 10th when Texas authorities effectively blocked the U.S. border agents from a 2.5-mile area in Eagle Pass, which has seen a surge of illegal crossings. This area includes Shelby Park, a city park on the Rio Grande, it is now fenced off with gates and razor wire impeding the Border Patrol's access. On the 12th, after Texas Military Department seized and secured Shelby Park, Two children and a mother drowned in a nearby part of the Rio Grande. Now Texas and the U.S. officials are accusing each other of contributing to the circumstances surrounding the tragedy. So, do, 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 do. let me go down here. Uh, bum, 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 bum. So the Border Patrol supervisor was asked to speak with Texas National Guard supervisor and again relayed the information that three migrants had drowned earlier in the evening and two migrants were in distress on the U.S. side of the Rio Grande. The Guard staff sergeant allegedly said the Border Patrol was not allowed in the area, even in emergency situations. Instead, the staff sergeant sent Texas Guardsmen to investigate. On the 13th, uh, Mexico's National Institute of Migration told the Border Patrol's Del Rio sector seven migrants in two groups had tried to cross the Rio Grande the night before. The first group included five migrants, um, blah, blah, blah. Mexican officials were able to recover the bodies of the drowned mother and two children. Um, very sad. Don't try to come here. This won't happen. Um, on the 15th, a Border Patrol agent drove through an access road within the roughly 2.5-mile area. And the agent was stopped and questioned by the National Guard member. Um, and on the 15th, the Biden administration submitted a filing to the Supreme Court, including details of the migrant drownings on the 12th. Um, on the 17th, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security set this date as the deadline for when Texas authorities must end its blockade of Eagle Pass and allow federal agents to resume operations in the area. If Texas did not agree to comply with the end, by the end of the day, the DHS said it would refer the matter to the Department of Justice for appropriate action. But Texas Attorney uh, General Ken Paxton's office doubled down saying Texas will not surrender. In a scathing three-page letter to the DHS General Counsel, Paxton rebuted some of the federal government's claims as false. Paxton said Border Patrol agents do indeed have access to Shelby Park to respond to medical emergencies. Um, on the 17th, also, Texas authorities started arresting migrants at Shelby Park and charging them with criminal trespassing, marking the state's first arrests of the illegals since Texas took control of the area one week earlier. On the 22nd, the Supreme Court voted 
5-4 to allow Border Patrol agents to remove razor wire set up by the Texas governor. And Trump's pick, Amy Coney Barrett, sided with um, the federal government in allowing them to remove the razor wire. So another just wonderful, wonderful pick by Trump. Um, Texas has sued to stop Border Patrol agents from cutting the Constantino wire last year, saying it illegally destroyed state property and undermined security. Um, All right. On the 23rd, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security sent a letter to Texas Attorney General reiterating the federal government's demand that the state authorities fully reopen Shelby Park area to Border Patrol agents. On the 24th, a CNN team in Eagle Pass witnessed members of the Texas National Guard installing more anti-climb fencing and razor wire in Shelby Park area. The wire has kept both migrants and Border Patrol out of the area. Um, after the Supreme Court's recent ruling, the federal law enforcement will cut or remove wire as needed to enforce immigration laws in the case of medical emergencies. Uh, da, 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 on the 26th, which was last Friday... Um, this is the second deadline set by the Department of Homeland Security for Texas to agree to fully reopen disputed parts of Shelby Park area to federal Border Patrol agents. Um, by January 26, 20, this is what it says. By January 26, 2024, please confirm that the state will provide U.S. Border Patrol with the access, access described above. The DHS General Counsel, Jonathan E. Mayer, wrote in a letter to Paxton, if the state refuses the requested act in part but not in whole, please specify what access you intend to deny. Um, so this is ongoing. So far, Texas has not backed down. Um, there are 27 states that have backed Texas in their fight against the border invasion. Florida was the first, of course. Um, Ron DeSantis leading the way, as usual. Um, it took Trump two days to even say anything about this because he was more preoccupied about rage tweeting about his court case. Um, he finally did make a statement that he clearly did not write because it was coherent and not in all caps. Um but anyways, uh, we're now supposedly, we have this freedom caravan heading to the border, but um, something's very, very off about this. So um, Tucker Carlson was reporting on this. Um, I mean, not that I completely trust him because he's kind of lost his mind as well. But um, there's this guy, Jim Ferguson, and I guess he's from the UK. I don't really know a ton about him. Um, but all of a sudden my Twitter timeline is just inundated with tweets from him. No idea who he is, but this first video he uses, it says, um, breaking news. The great awakening has begun as thousands head to the U S Southern border to halt the invasion. Americans are waking to the threat that globalists pose to the USA in particular under the Biden regime. Millions of patriotic people all over the world are joining an international resistance against the globalists who are attacking our food supplies, the farming industry, and allowing millions of illegals to flood our nations. They seek to destroy from within our precious freedoms and way of life. Freedom Train International is a new freedom and resistance movement with thousands of members around the world. Join us as we push back for freedom and fight back against those who seek to enslave us with 15-minute cities, CBDC, digital ID, and those who um, denigrate humanity by ordering us to eat insects using fear and climate alarmism. It's time to resist. So 
what he's saying here is correct. Um, but the thing is, that, you know, the Great Awakening is the QAnon nonsense stuff. And the video that he posted was from 2022. Like he's using a video from a year ago. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is like a trap, like January 6th. Um, I don't know. I get bad vibes from this. Um, and he's also reporting that barriers have been hurriedly erected around the White House with soldiers seen standing guard. There is speculation that Biden and the Democrats are terrified at what is happening as the state of Texas, now supported by 27 other states, has been seen deploying National Guard troops to stop the invasion. Biden has been cutting the razor wire barricades to allow illegal migrants to pour in as part of the globalist plot to weaken and undermine the United States from within. Tens of thousands of U.S. patriots are heading to the border in long convoys with thousands of truckers joining their resistance. And again, this video that he posts under this is from 2021. Like, I don't I don't even know what to believe. Um, are there people going to the border? I don't know. Um, I just don't know. I, I mean... The mainstream media is not covering it, but I mean, that wouldn't really surprise me because the mainstream media doesn't cover anything relevant. Um, but I, I don't know. These are the only two videos that I'm seeing and they're from years ago. So I don't, I don't really know what to believe. Um, but if you do go and <laughs> you're planning on fighting the federal government, uh, I strongly suggest that you don't, or you're going to end up in jail like the January Sixers. Um, I don't know. I'm going to keep an eye on this. Um, just, I get very bad feeling about this whole thing. Um, I, I'm grateful for what Texas is doing and the other 27 states standing behind Greg Abbott. Um, but again, this other stuff just seems very fishy. I don't know. Um, so now there's a new deal, a bipartisan deal being floated in the Senate that will allow for 250,000 illegals a month to be processed and given work permits. And Biden, of course, says that he'll sign it. Um, this isn't a deal. Like, <laughs> um, no, we need to stop all illegal immigrants and deport the ones that are here. You know, just allowing a certain number, which is an astronomical number, a month is just complete horseshit. Um, it, oh God, we're just such a messed up country. We're we're just such a messed up country. Um, so, all right, guys. That oh, wait a second. I have amazing headlines to read for you guys to give you a little bit of a chuckle. Um, some actual news, but some chuckles also, and then we'll wrap things up here. So, headlines. Florida House Committee passes a bill to require biological sex, not gender identity, on driver's licenses. Go Florida. Um, a trans man who had a mastectomy discovered to be five months pregnant, making a rare seahorse dad. Um, for those of you that couldn't follow that because it's just completely insane, um, a woman had a baby. All right. Kathy Hochul, our lovely, lovely governor here in New York, who is, she's demonic, evil, awful, um, just the worst. Um, Kathy Hochul signed a bill 
barring the sale of diet pills and protein powder to anyone under 18. You know, that protein powder is really, really bad, but it's totally okay to bring in all this fentanyl, you know, priorities. Um, this is a rough one. A 50-year-old male professor identifying as a 15-year-old girl is not only able to swim on an all-girls club swim team, but she's also changing and showering with the 13 to 15-year-old girls. If you're a parent and you're allowing this to happen, shame on you. Shame on you. This is just ridiculous. Um, good gracious. Um, Trump advisor Peter Navarro is sentenced to four months in prison for defying January 6th committee subpoena. Um, only the best, only the best people around Trump. And Black Lives Matter protesters who participated in the 2020 riots will receive $10 million from Seattle. Good job, everyone. Um, Good gracious. All right. That does it for today, guys. Um, I need to wrap things up so I can get ready to go watch some football. Um, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Kevin Crater. He has a great podcast out right now. He interviewed a pastor and they talk about the God mind connection. Uh, Good stuff. So go check him out. The Kevin Crater show. Um, Give a shout out to my friend, Lance Zaleski, who owns LZ Tactical Firearm Concepts. If you're here in New York and you want to get your pistol permit, which I highly suggest that you do, he has the um, pistol permit classes that you need to do before you can get your pistol, which is complete horseshit. Um, But it is what it is. Go get your pistol permit. His classes are February 3rd and 4th. I can get you more information on that. Um, Also, my brother-in-law's business, DJR Custom Electronics for car starters, home security, car security. He can hook you up with great prices and phenomenal quality equipment. Um, And of course, Shell Shock CBD that keeps me sane through all of this craziness. Um, My dogs are doing great on the CBD gummies, especially my old man Dillinger's um, arthritis and stuff. The CBD gummies are helping a ton. And then also, I just bought, um, I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. I just bought a vape pen. Um, They don't always like to smoke real weed. Um, I still feel weird doing it out in public. But I bought a vape just because it's easy and it's not messy. Um, I bought Pineapple Express. Oh, such a good movie too. Anyways, um, use code JNORMAN for a discount at Shell Shock CBD, veteran-owned company in Texas. The rack-out gummies are literally saving my life. I've got a lot of stress and drama and just plain old shit going on in my life, just like everyone else. And I have a problem turning my brain off. So the rack-out melatonin CBD gummies are saving my life right now. Um, Anyways, that does it for today, guys. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. keep your heads up. Um, It's bound to get better, right? Uh, It has to. It has to get better. Um, Be praying for you all. Stay in the word. Read your Bibles. Go to church. If you know anyone that wants to come to the Celebrate Recovery meetings um, with me or learn how to be a counselor, um, hit me up on social media and I will bring you with me, point you in the right direction. And addiction is such a big thing right now. So many people are suffering and we have resources to help these people. So send them my way. I will help all the addicts. Those are my people. So anyways, guys, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Stay safe out there. And this, um, I'll see you next time on The Next Generation. 